Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. So agents just die on the vine. Why? It's not because they don't know what to do. It's because they can't generate any business. Why don't they generate any business? Because they don't do those activity-based indicators to get business. They've got a thousand excuses. Being on a team with a dashboard where you're held accountable actually alleviates and removes all those excuses. I'm going to show you kind of a clunky version of what a real estate team's dashboard might look like. And I'm going to point out a section of the dashboard that will surprise a lot of you and it will generate questions from a lot of you. And it will, it will, uh, to me, it'll be something that most of you learn today about real estate teams. Um, the section that I'm going to show you, and I'm, I'm kind of holding that back here. Um, because first I want to show you my old clunky dashboard. And when I say my old clunky dashboard, I mean, it is literally an old clunky dashboard. I I'm, I'm old. I'm not a young person. So because of the fact I'm not a young person, I love Microsoft Excel. Now, a lot of the teams we coach at ICC are some of the highest performing teams and brokerages in the country. They sell thousands of homes a year. They have very elaborate, fancy, auto-populating dashboards. And that's cool. And I love that. I don't dislike that. This dashboard, though, is something I've just used forever. So I like to teach with it. So I use it to teach. Um, and so I'm going to use it, you know, what your dashboard looks like is totally up to you. It's part of your team's culture, part of your team's personality. But I use this because it's laid out in a way that I'm used to and I'm lazy and I don't like change and all those other things, you know, that grouchy old, old men, um, you know, tend, tend to have a, a problem with. So if we take a look at this dashboard, here's what one kind of looks like. This is a team dashboard, you know, and then, you know, we've got lead measures or in my book, I refer to them as activity-based indicators, right? And they're, they're ways that we actually focus on specific activities that are geared towards us getting the results we want, right? Um, and in this case, we have this team and these are the members of the team and they're all going to make regular contacts to their sphere of influence, people that they know in their SOI database. Um, so it's people they've met before, people they know, people that would recognize them by name and they've all agreed upon a certain number of weekly contacts to reach out to them to somehow add value and come from contribution. And then they actually report those contacts each week and then when they meet each week, they talk about how they did and how good they are doing and staying in front of the members of their SOI. And then the next lead gen, and this is, you know, every team has different activity-based indicators. They may also be growing their sphere of influence by growing the number of people that are in it. Like someone has 200 people in their SOI, they might have a goal to grow it to 300 by the end of the year. So they might try to meet and add two people per week to their SOI database so that they go from 200 to 300 people in their SOI per year. So they actually commit to certain numbers of people they're gonna to add to their database per week. Then they, this team has a goal to hold a certain number of open houses per week, per person. You know, they could be trying to follow up with online leads that they've got coming in. 
So they have a certain number of tasks they have to do in their action campaigns and their CRM. So they've got to make sure that there, there are no outstanding tasks at the end of every single week. So they've done all their follow-ups and all their nurture contacts with every lead that comes in. They have to do a certain amount of online lead contacts. They got to keep their response time to, for, to, to every single on, incoming on, online lead to five minutes or less. And here, the leaders of the team actually have to do recruiting appointments. Again, every team is different. And you'll see this in the book as well, too. There's tons of different ways to generate business. I've got teams that do expired listing contacts, FISBO seller contacts, farming contacts, social media posts, blog content written. You can go all over the map. There's so many. I mean, I could take an entire hour just listing the amount of lead generation activities you can do that are effective activity-based indicators to help you generate more business. But the point of the matter is they need to be listed on your team's dashboard and you need to have pre-agreed upon amounts of contacts or actions or activity-based indicators that members of your team are going to hit, right? So that's the key is have them up on that dashboard, okay? Uh, Sarah asked, are the smaller SOI contacts and their direct correlation with more online lead contacts due to having smaller SOO? I don't know what SOO is. So maybe put that, uh, I think it could be a typo, it could be SOI. Oh, sorry, SOI, okay, got it. So yeah, so uh, the smaller SOI contacts, um, yeah, may maybe it is. I mean, it could, uh, that's, I mean, I just made up these numbers because this is not a real, a real uh, scoreboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can only have people make so many contacts. So, you know, making five SOI contacts a day, you know, is quite a bit. I mean, because those are longer conversations. Those are people you know. So, I mean, online lead contacts, half the times, those are just people you don't know. I mean, all the time, there are people you don't know. So you're just hanging up. You're just getting people hanging up on you, you know, all the time. So those are quick calls. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm not interested. Click. Well, there's one contact because we talked to somebody that counts as contact. Whereas your SOI, it's how you been, how are the kids, blah, blah, blah. It just takes a lot more time, right? But yes, I mean, there could also be a direct correlation because you, depending on how many leads you're getting per month, you're getting a lot of leads, you may have to cut down on the SOI contacts. But I will say this, of all the different contacts that are most important, SOI is the first and foremost, most important thing. So don't ever, ever, ever have a team that does not encourage its agents to build their own database, their own book of business from the people they know. You always need a referral database, an SOI referral database. That is the underlying, that is the bulk of the business. That is the part that will never be replaced in real estate. And that is all the top teams get the vast majority of their business from an SOI. Always, all the top agents do, all the top teams do. That is, I mean, I, I know there's all these bright and shiny shortcuts people try to chase, but what the top teams know is, you know, you want to build that book of business first and foremost, and no one worth their salt in real estate is going to argue that one. That is for sure. Okay. Um, that is for sure. So there you go. And yes, I see on here, we include Facebook. That's a great ABI. Maybe they have to do a certain amount of posts. Uh, maybe they have to interact with other people's posts. Like Christine, you know, was talking about how they do the five five ten. That's something we teach to our clients at ICC. That they, uh, or I think it's the ten ten five. 
where we, you know, we, uh, you know, comment on 10 posts, we like 10 posts, and then we do five post shares or five post interactions. That's great. So we don't even post at all. We're just interacting there. Or we could be saying they have to do one Facebook live a week, or they're doing something to get out in front of their people to keep that mind share. That's different social media content that we're writing, creating, and posting. Um, that's great too. Those are all different activity-based indicators. Okay. So there's an endless amount of activity-based indicators out there. There are so many ways to lead generate for business, so many different ways. Um, and most agents frankly do none. And most agents on teams, frankly, do none, which is why we have to have a dashboard and we have to have agreed upon activity-based indicators. And we have to meet every single week, that accountability, that group culture that comes from being on a team is the biggest value to agents of having a team. So if you don't do it, um, and now agents won't tell you that they'll say, I want to be on the team for leads or, or that's usually leads. I just want your leads, right? That's what agents think, but that's, that's, that's a follower mentality. You know, unfortunately they just want the money. They just want the business. They're not leaders yet. You know? So they just say, I want, give me money, give me money, give me money. Right. They don't realize the importance of accountability, even though they haven't been able to generate enough on their own. Um, yes, they want your mentoring. They want your training for a while. For a while that usually goes away after a short period of time and all that's left is accountability and no one likes accountability because it's getting people to do what they don't want to do no one wants to be held accountable to go to the gym because they don't want i mean they want to go to the gym they want the results but they don't want to be made to go you know they want to go to church they think that's important too but they don't want to be made to actually go they just want to get the results from having been to church right so you don't have to like the activities you need to like the results and then you need something to force yourself to do the uncomfortable activities and that's what this weekly team meeting does and and having a dashboard and all the accountability of the team is it actually helps agents do the uncomfortable things they don't want to do to get the results they want and that's the key to being on it to me it's the most valuable thing a real estate team provides to agents how do i know this well, let me tell you, I mean, I've ran some of the highest producing agents in, in the country. I mean, our, our, excuse me, run the highest real estate, uh, for, sorry, real estate brokerages in the country. A lot of my brokerages, and I'm still an owner of many of them, they have 500 agents in them. And all the top performing agents were in those offices. And I can tell you, you know, when agents got into the business, there was a very small percentage of them that would actually succeed and survive. A very small percentage. Most agents would die on the vine. And they would die on the vine because, not because they didn't know what to do. They learned what to do. They, because when they come into the business, they're all bright eyed, bushy tail. They just tell me what to do. I want to know. I want to know. So that first six months, maybe even a year of the business, they're learning everything. They're attending classes. They're talking to mentors. They're absorbing like a sponge. They get knowledge. Knowledge is not king in real estate. Knowledge is just, you know, usually an excuse. Once they know, then they, then they say, I already know that. I mean, they didn't do anything with it, but they already know it. Everybody knows you should get your SOI together or do one of the many things you could do to generate business in real estate. And then they they may start doing it, they may not. But the hard part is keeping doing it, stay in activity, especially when you get a few clients, usually you quit, you, know, you just work on the clients and you forget to keep trying to generate new business, right? That's where the team's value and that's where the dashboard, that's where the scoreboard come in. It's the most important thing that's missing. So I saw that agents, when they came into my brokerages, if they went on teams, they survived, they, they succeeded at a much higher rate. I would say about 50 to 60% of agents that went on teams survived, which is a great number. That's a great number. The agents that survived, in real estate that went on their own was less than 10%. I mean, most of them didn't make it. They really didn't. I mean, 33% of agents quit 
the National Association of Realtors within one year. 87%, 87% don't make it five years. Those are the national numbers. And they've been that way for decades. So agents just die on the vine. Why? It's not because they don't know what to do. It's because they can't generate any business. Why don't they generate any business? Because they don't do those activity-based indicators to get business. They've got a thousand excuses. Being on a team with a dashboard where you're held accountable actually alleviates and removes all those excuses. See what I'm saying? So that's the key. So these little simple things make all the difference in the world. Why agents don't acknowledge that they need this? I don't know. The ones that do are pretty self-aware. They tend to succeed and get a lot higher. They get humble. They get humble with an industry that has one of the highest failure rates in the history of professional businesses, you know? All right, so let's get back to my dashboard because I still haven't shown you the cool stuff. I'm getting there. Great questions though, gang, thank you. Then we have like conversion measures on here as well too, okay? So I just showed you the activity-based indicators at the top, then conversion measures. We might check, we might track the amount of listing appointments set, the amount of listing appointments had, the amount of listing agreements signed, we might track the amount of buyer appointments set, buyer appointments had, buyer point by agreement signed, and then contracts ultimately written. Why do we do this? It's accountability here. Um, and it also, you know, it helps us diagnose problems. I mean, if someone's setting a lot of buyer appointments, but they're not having them, they're setting weak appointments that people aren't showing up for. So what are you saying on the phone if you're setting a lot of appointments, but you're not having a lot of appointments? We can actually diagnose and work on scripts, you know? Um, or if we're setting a lot of appointments and having a lot of appointments, but no one's signing our buyer agency agreements, uh-oh, what are we saying in that appointment so that people aren't agreeing to go into business with us? Are we setting bad expectations? What's happening with our presentation? And then if we're getting a lot of clients to come to our appointments and agree to work with us, but we're not writing contracts, where are we going wrong? Are, you know, how are we not keeping our buyers engaged? I mean, this is probably the biggest problem a lot of buyers agents are having in this new world. And that problem is, you know, there's not a lot of inventory. So our buyers, we're getting buyer fatigue and that's a big, big problem. So that buyer fatigue um, you know, we lose track. So what are we doing to stay on top of our buyers? What are we doing to stay in front of them? What are we, what are we doing to constantly engage them and constantly encourage them to keep looking or maybe even write more, you know, stronger offers? Are we making sure they're learning from their missed offers? You know, things like that. Um, and those conversations actually come up in weekly team meetings when we talk about uh, activity-based indicators and conversion measures on a scoreboard like this. We see the problem and say, what do we do to keep these guys engaged? You know, And we can start sharing our best practices. I mean, you can't have a more engaging real estate team meeting when we're diagnosing problems on a scoreboard and then turning around and you know, talking about best practices and solutions to overcome those problems. Pretty fantastic stuff, really, you know? So there's the idea. All right, still haven't gotten to my cool part though, but I am giving you a little overrun, a run through on a very thorough scoreboard here, okay? Um, it's old, but it's thorough. Then we might have training measures down here, right? Um, these are training measures. So let's say we're onboarding new members of a team. Members that coach with ICC, we have a large onboarding library. So members of real estate teams that coach with us they actually get access to our online learning center at ICC where they can actually go through a, an entire course of how to build and, and generate business from your sphere of influence, how to prospect for business from people you don't know. Um, we can train inside sales agents on that. Um, you might have videos on your whatever 
you know, customer relation management system you're using or CRM you're using, um, they usually have onboarding videos that you can have new agents watch. Um, and these are other courses that we provide uh, to uh, ICC clients. Um, but usually you've got, you know, you know, MLS orientation, you've got office orientation, you've got whatever software programs you use orientation, you can create your own training videos, which is actually shockingly easy, especially when it comes to local products like your own MLS forms, you can create your own training videos there uh, for your own MLS forms for your own MLS um, software you know, website where you input and search for listings, you could easily create videos on how to search for property, how to do CMAs. Um, you can create videos for, you know, how to input listings, how to, you know, all of those things. So when people come on board, they can see how to do a lot of those things, if that makes sense. So, and yes, I will, I will share this spreadsheet with you guys um, at the end. Um, I will pop this this spreadsheet if you want this one. This is an old clunky one. Um, you know, again, if if you if you want this, I can throw it out there for you guys. Um, so no problem. But this is a, this is my old clunky one. Um, you know, but if you want my old clunky one with the old colors, you know, I even keep these ugly colors of green. It looks like nineteen sixties like kitchen tile accent colors or something. Um, so uh, but yeah, I'll I'll throw this in that chat room. Give you an idea of how it works. So back over to my dashboard. I mean, you can see also when new agents come on, it's on them to get shadowing opportunities, right? So each person, let's say this new agent, Logan comes on board, he's got a shadow, get five shadows in, I guess three of these, of these key activities for new agents. They got to shadow an experienced agents on showing, holding buyer consultations, attending open houses, attending home inspections, writing offers and negotiating counter offers or contracts, right? So they've got to actually show that they've shadowed on five of these. So actually, we're actually have a training program for new agents that come on board and we hold them accountable to actually making them self-managed. They have to proactively go out and watch these videos and take these courses. They have to seek out these shadowing opportunities from other members of the team. And it's a perfect environment to do it. I mean, it's really, really easy to sit in there and say, hey guys, it's Logan. I got I got a shadow five buyer consultation. Who is gonna hold a buyer consultation soon? Keep me in mind, I need to get my shadows in because they're all in the team meeting. We're holding everyone accountable to everything. The newbies now, this is kind of their section is the onboarding and training because they don't have a lot of business to talk about, but we can talk about this. And the, and the other team members say, I got one. You can come to that, Logan. Just come sit in on me. You can actually do my home inspection too. You can come with me on that too. You know, and all of a sudden we're creating team culture, people helping people, people are getting shadowing opportunities. It's all happening together through a collaborative cultural environment of a weekly team meeting. Simple as that. Simple as that. Um, that's the idea of how, of how that works. So with that said, that's kind of what that chat training and onboarding section um, looks like. Okay. So as we move forward here, we're going to come to the section about lag measures. And that's this section right here. And these are, I referred to in the book as, you know, they lag behind the lead measures, but we refer to them as results-based indicators or RBIs. So they're the opposite of ABIs. ABIs are actionable. We can focus on these. These are things, these are activity-based indicators. These are things we can do to help us hit our goals. That's where I want our focus. That's why I put it at the top of the scoreboard because that's the stuff that matters. And we know if we do the ABIs, results, RBIs will follow. 
So these are the results. And unfortunately, most teams, most agents focus only on results, RBIs, okay? We need to focus on ABIs, but RBIs are important to show because they motivate us. They motivate us, isn't it? It's good to see the results. It's good to see how much we're making. And we've got, you know, how many, you know, this is a year to date. Maybe it's halfway through the year. You can see this is how many each team member has under contract, how many their, what their pending volume is, what they've closed year to date, and their closed volume year to date. Okay. Um, so you can see that all in this section here. Now, the most important section on the scoreboard, the section that I have been alluding to, is this section right here. Okay. And it's, I often refer to this as the matching standard. Um, for those of you that coach with ICC, you'll hear me refer to this as the matching standard. And that's only because I can't think of a better name. I need to think of a better name. I've been teaching and coaching the matching standard for so long, I can't even tell you. And I'm going to come back to this, don't worry. But it is kind of the secret sauce. People always are asking, why is it that you know, your teams are always the top teams. Why is it that your teams are always number one in every MLS? Or why do you have such a good track record coaching teams? Uh, by the way, I just shared that scoreboard for all of you in the chat room. So you can download that ICC Excel spreadsheet. Uh, mind you, that's a really freaking old one. Um, we're going to give you a link at the end too. You can download it too, if for some reason you can't, but that's there and you can download it. I don't think it has viruses. I mean, it's been on my computer and it seems to work well. So uh, it's Microsoft Excel. So anyway, with that said, I, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons. One is we, we, we teach all the components and I lay it all out in the high performing real estate team book. So please get the book. I'm not trying to sell books here. Trust me. There's not enough of you to, you know, make me really, you know, get rich off the book. But um, I will tell you, um, it all it's all laid out there. Um, and you could probably read that book three or four times over. And there's so much in there. Different parts will soak in each time you read through it. I've already heard that from a few people. But I would say the most important component that teams absolutely must have is the matching standard. Um, I think it's quite possibly the most important component that without it, team culture usually breaks down over a period of time. And Victoria just posted a link in the chat room just to let you know. Victoria works with me and she so kindly posted a, a link in there where you can download all of these, a bunch of free downloads. If you're an ICC client, you've already got all these things. So don't worry about it. But the matching standard is that key secret sauce, is the ability to have a standard that works both way on a real estate team. And, and here's what it is generally speaking. It's kind of a promise that you make to each other that the team or the we'll call the team leader, I guess, speaking on behalf of the whole team, promises to do its best to match the closings, the amount of business that an agent on the team brings to it, right? So the team leader is always trying to stay ahead of its individual agents. So you will have agents bringing in business from their own sphere of influence and then the team leader is going to try to match that by giving them more business than they bring into the team. And people always say, well, how, why would you go work on a 50-50 split on a real estate team? Because most teams are on 50-50s. That's the, that's the prevailing split out there. I mean, I can give you, show you a billion trainers and coaches and books and 
talk about what's the best split for agents and you'll see 50-50 is by far what most of the top teams do. And our agents are so split sensitive, they're like, oh, I would never be on a 50-50 split. Well, that may be true, but I'll show you a bunch of agents on teams that I coach that make a lot more money than you do on your 100%. You see that all the time. So it's not about the split, it's about the amount of income you make. You know, a lot of people have a hard time with that. And agents are really sensitive to profit margins. They're not sensitive to profit. And they don't get that concept. They don't get the concept, that leadership concept. They don't get what Bill Gates gets. They don't get what Steve Jobs got. They don't get what Warren Buffett gets. Those guys all have tiny, tiny profit margins. They're richer than all heck, but they have tiny profit margins. I mean, someone like Warren Buffett or like Bill Gates, those guys, you know, they probably have a hundred billion in expenses in a year, at least their companies do. And they make 101 billion, which means they have like a 0.001% profit margin, tiny profit margin, but they make a billion dollars a year. You know, probably a lot more than that, but you get it. So they have they have tiny margin. So they invest, they spend money to make money. Agents won't do that, especially low producers. So the lowest producing agents that typically have the highest profit margin. They're the guys that are at the discount brokerages that are at 100% and brag about it and sell one to three houses a year, if any, right? Or usually zero, you know, 60% of any MLS. So if there's a thousand people in your MLS, 60% of them didn't sell any real estate in the last 12 months. That's pretty normal. And they're all at 100%. And you know what 100% times zero is? That's the way it works. So it's like, good job with your 100%, you've made no money. So and only, you know, 10% of the agents do 90% of the business. And those are the ones typically that are not at discount brokerages. They're also a lot of them on real estate teams or they run real estate teams. The people that run real estate teams have the lowest margin. They have all these admin expenses, marketing expenses, they pay out splits to, to team members. I mean, we coach our teams typically have a profitability of 20 to 40%. That's the split they're on. They keep 20 to 40% of their GCI, somewhere in there. The bigger they are, the smaller the margin, but the more income, okay? But the more income. So individual agents don't have that kind of courage. They just want the biggest split. They don't realize they should invest in their business. They don't realize they should pay for coaching. They don't realize they should hire an admin. They don't want to pay for marketing. They just want to preserve that 100% and they just get stuck. It happens all the time. So we as coaches, we're helping them. We're trying to say, hey, this is where you should spend money. This is where you should invest and then get a return of investment back of at least three to one, right? So you actually get money back by investing in your business. That mindset is very, very tough. Okay, that mindset is very, very tough. When it applies to the matching standard, that 50-50 split, it sticks. I mean, you always wonder, how is that team growing? How are all those agents wanting to be on 50-50 splits? How are they doing that? What are they doing? How is it happening? And it always happens the same way. That matching standard, we stay ahead of our agents, okay? We stay ahead of our agents. And guess what? This works both ways. The agents have to try and keep up. The team's understanding though, it is very rare. Let me, let me show you an example here. It is very rare to have many agents be able to satisfy the matching standard. It's just rare. Just like it's rare to have agents succeed in the business. 87% quit after five years. So it shouldn't be too surprising that 87% of them cannot keep up with the team. So here's this hypothetical team. And this team, in my opinion, is doing very well. I, I really do believe this team is doing very well. 
Okay, so the team leader of this, I just use my wife and a bunch of her friends. It's, this is not real anything, but my wife's name's Robin. So she's the team leader. So we won't look at her. Um, but the rest of the agents, these are, you know, here's a hypothetical person named Melissa, and she's closed, you know, 25 to date. 15 of them, the team gave her, and 10 she's brought to the team. I think this, this agent's doing very well. Is she satisfying the matching standard? No, she's a little bit behind the team. She's five behind, but this is good. This is healthy. She's on the team. She's trying to catch up. She's doing a decent job. The team's ahead of her. I'm comfortable if I'm Robin, the team leader, because I'm staying ahead of her nicely. This is pretty good. I think this is good. I give Melissa an A minus. You know, great job, guys. Keep going. Carrie is actually a little bit ahead right now. So that if I'm Robin, I am now pushing all my leads to carry to get back ahead of her because the matching standard becomes the key determinant in lead distribution. I need to get some leads to carry in a hurry because I'm too behind her. Carrie's the only person on here I'm behind. So right now, Carrie has earned the right through her production, through her performance, through her willingness to clearly be able to do activity-based indicators that we got to start shoveling a lot of business to carry because she's earned it. And everybody else on the team should be okay with that because Carrie's done the work. She's earned it. We got to stay ahead of her. Okay. We're well ahead of David. David's doing pretty good. I mean, we're doubled him up, but you know, he's only five behind kind of similar to Melissa. Um, we're ahead 10 to five though. So, you know, I feel good about David and David should feel good about being on the team. I mean, David would be crazy to leave the team. If David, if David left the team, cause he's mad, he's not getting enough leads because they're going to carry, he would lose two-thirds of his business, two-thirds of his income would go right out the window right away if he walked away right now. He'd be silly. You know, what he should do is refocus on generating more business so we can force the team leader's hands to start sending more business his way because he controls exactly how many leads he receives. It's based on his performance, his willingness, and his ability to do his activity-based indicators, right? Right now, Kerry's commanding a lot of the respect. Now, there's usually enough leads to keep sending it to multiple people at once. Don't get me wrong. Point of the matter is, right now, carry is kind of an urgent problem for that team leader. A good problem that 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 is very natural and it's it, and there's a great ebb and flow. So right now, we're going to try to get business to carry. Then if you move down to Logan, typically the ones that are going to be complaining are going to be these last two, Logan and Jessica, because they're so far behind. And when people are that far behind, they're struggling. They're not making enough money. So they complain. Even though they're the ones that should have the least to complain about here because they're getting almost all their business from the team, they'll be the ones that complain usually. That's just the way it works in this business. Trust me, I've just worked with thousands of agents in my career. So what'll happen is we got to have a conversation. I mean, if they left the team, they'd be absolutely nuts, but they may. That's what they do. They walk away from 90%, if not 100% of their income because they didn't get enough business from the team. Yet, they, you know, they hopefully they're in their first year and they're trying to generate business right now. Um, and that's very normal for first year agents to stay way behind the team. Second year though, they start to pay dividends and they start to actually bring business to the team and may catch it. But it's not abnormal in the first year for agents to be way behind. So be patient with them, you're grooming them. You're way ahead of them, that's fine, don't get mad. Again, this is called the matching standard. That doesn't mean we're requiring agents to match, okay? It doesn't mean we're requiring agents to match. Um, we're just trying to hold them accountable to a standard. And if they don't make it, we're not going to fire them. We're not going to get mad at them. Most agents are going to stay way behind the team's production. That's just the way it works. Okay. They're just going to be way behind. So we're going to treat them. It's I call it the parenting leadership style. We're going to treat them like a parent would a child. 
The child's not going to live up to their standards. They're not going to put their clothes away. They're not going to do their homework. And we're going to love them anyway and be patient until they get it down. And that's what we do. And some of them will never get it down. And they will always be behind. And we just got to make sure that we don't give them too many leads or they'll become entitled. We don't ever want to do that. That's why we got to have multiple members of that team so we can actually start spreading them out to other people. Okay. The question of the world is, what is the best source of leads for your agents? <laughs> Isn't that the magic bill question we as coaches always get? The best source of leads for your agent without a doubt is SOI. That's number one, right? Um, you know, I would always have open houses on there right now, especially in this market. Low inventory, open houses are crucial. If you don't know how to hold open houses in this market, then you need to get a coach. Um, because you need to be holding open houses even after they sell. Uh, the rule is two open houses per listing. I don't care if they sell in 24 hours, you still hold two open houses. You need to know the scripts, the tools, and how the top agents still hold open houses anyway. Those are big. Online leads, I mean, you can do force registration, pay-per-click. Um, you can do uh, Zillow leads, very popular for top teams, realtor.com leads, all of those. If you, if you need to know about online leads, you can take our online lead conversion course in the ICC Learning Center. Victoria, if you could show a link to the, uh, the OLC where they can see all our online courses. Those are very long answers to questions, but you could buy our online lead conversion course and learn about it. Google local service ads, very popular right now. Very, very important. So Victoria's about to post that so you can learn about all the different lead sources. Um, those are very, very popular. Very, very popular. Probably, you know, SOI and some source of online leads are the two most popular combinations. What type of online leads? They're, those are long conversations, man. You got to learn the difference and how much they cost and what it takes to follow up with them because they're not all created equally. There's a lot to learn there. Okay. And Zillow has lost its cash. Not necessarily. I mean, it depends if you're Zillow Flex or you're just a Zillow advertiser. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of rumors out there, but I can show you the highest producing teams in the country converting massive amounts of Zillow. People on this on this webinar right now are, are chuckling because they make so much money off Zillow too. It just depends how you use it. Depends on how you use it, who your coach is, that kind of stuff. Very, very important because Zillow has changed a lot. So you better change how you use Zillow. That's for darn sure. Okay. So that's the idea of the matching center there. Does shoveling leads onto the agents you are behind on overwhelm them? It can, so don't do it. We don't want to shovel leads onto them, right? We can't give them any more leads, but you can give them higher quality leads, right? If you're behind on them, that's when you want to give them like SOI buyers. You know, your SOI, your, you know, your high quality leads. If you're behind an agent, they need to get your better leads. The ones that don't take so much work to convert, right? Like I wouldn't be giving force registration pay-per-click leads that take an average of eight to nine touches to make contact with them to a lead you're behind on, expect them to want to do that work. You know, that's where we got to get them that good SOI buyer that needs to find a house right after you sell their listing, right? So you want to actually give them the higher quality leads to get caught up um, because they've earned it. So that's where your high quality leads should go right um most you know team leaders you shouldn't be showing property anymore either so if you're hanging on to your buyers that is a huge mistake uh, there is nobody that'll argue with that one you do not if you're a team leader of a real estate team you do not represent buyers those are what you do to stay ahead of your high producing agents or you'll lose all your agents you need to get rid of your buyers and, and learn to make that transition like all the top producing agents and teams do all of them there is no top high performing team leader that keeps their buyers i am yet to see them not at a high level, okay? So understand that. So we wanna shift those types of leads over as well too, okay? So I'm trying to move this. So the person that, uh, I think it's Steve up there, I can't 
quite see it. He didn't post it to everybody, he posted the host and panelists. Um, Steve, I would recommend for that, you know, in your particular situation, I would take the free coaching call. Take that link that we put up in there to do a free coaching call, but you should hire an assistant first, then a buyer's agent, okay? The responsibilities, the job descriptions, we provide all those to you, okay? All of those. So we'll tell you exactly what you need, exactly who you should hire, how you should hire, the job description, how to train them, the onboarding, we do all that for you and with you. So that's just a long answer to a question is how to make that first hire on a real estate team. I would take the free coaching call and what are the first steps to building that team? If you're gonna do 20 to 21 millions in sales, I can tell you with absolute certainty, you need to leverage because you can't go much further than that and keep your lifestyle. You're gonna start losing lifestyle if you haven't already. Victoria, thank you for posting those links again. Can't do that enough. Um, that free coaching call is down there at the bottom. I would definitely sign up with that one as well too. How often should you check in on leads with your team? Don't want to drop them off every week in the team meeting. Every week in the team meeting, we're going to check. We're going to have a buyer and seller inventory pipeline where we know all the leads in the funnel and we want to make sure that they're all in action plans. So if we give leads, they are in action plans and a CRM and that we are staying on top of all the actions. In other words, we're staying in touch. We're following up. We're following up. And to do that, that CRM better uh, tell us when there's an outstanding task. Okay. Victoria, the links are all in the chat room or Deanna, the links are in the chat room. They're all there. So um, if not, it's got to be something on your end there. You shouldn't see the scoreboard at all. Oh yeah. If you're on an iPad or a mobile phone, guys, welcome to Zoom. Um, you cannot get a lot of files from a mobile device. You need to be on a desktop when you're on Zoom now and forever. Anytime you're on Zoom, if you want to get a lot of files that are shared with you. Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna need to get to a desktop. That's just kind of the life of Zoom and Google Meets and Google Teams. Um, that's why. So they are all there. So with that being said, that's the way this absolutely works. That's the way the matching standard works. Is we want to stay ahead at any given time. The matching standard works with so many things on a real estate team. Um, I can't tell you. It it works with agents that want to take listings. It works with agents that want to hire commission split. It actually solves all of those typical agent disputes. Um, and if how it helps them all and how it works with them all, um, again, guys, I mean, a one hour webinar isn't going to cut it. Get, get my team book, you know, listen, get it on Audible and listen to it. Uh, I go through all those in there. You know, you can take a, you can get a coaching call with one of our coaches for free and no obligation and, and, and ask all these questions. Um, they will do that for you. That's what they'll do. So you can learn it that way. You can keep following us, keep joining the Real Estate Agent Roundtable as well too. You can come to the ICC Invitational, all those things. Most importantly, um, it's get yourself a coach. Um, I'll take, I'm gonna look at one more on here. Um, for someone that becomes a lead buyer's agent on a team, how do they make that transition from personal production to team production so that their income is not adversely impacted while they're building a team? Good question, Mark. Um, the way that that happens, you know, typically we, we do this all the time where someone is on an agent, is on a team and they move into a sales position, whether it's a sales manager or a lead buyer's agent or a lead listing specialist, or depending on how big your team is, could be a lead ISA. Generally speaking, they're still going to sell real estate, but they're going to start getting a percentage of the gross commission income of other members of the team, right? And and no guys, I can't talk about anymore. I, I mean, I, there's lots of questions. So in about five minutes, we're, we're done here as promised. So what's gonna happen is, you know, generally speaking is as they grow in production, 
you know, that first year, they're going to still be getting most of their production. Let's say 95 of their income is going to come from their own production and they'll get 5% of their income from the sales of the other team members. But as they recruit more team members, retain them, coach them into higher levels of production, the next year they might get 75% of their total income from their own sales and 25% of passive income that is generated by the other sales agents on the team. And then the next year it might go 50-50. And then the next year it might go 25-75 where only 25% of their business is coming from their own sales. And then 75% is coming from this large sales force underneath them. So it's a gradual change. All the while, both numbers are going up. The total amount of income is also going up, but less of it's coming from their own active income each year and more of it is coming from their passive income each year. Make sense? So that's the big, the big issue um, is it's a slow build and it just depends on their performance because most people want more passive income than active income. Active income is you out there actively buying and selling property. Okay. That's most of it. Most people want more, less of that. And they want more income that just comes to them from other people's work or from other people's sources. That's what most people want. If you're smart, you want passive income, right? You don't want to be working for everything you get. You don't want to hunt and kill everything you're going to eat. You, you want some of it just to be delivered to you, right? That's why we love a referral-based business because people just call me and say, will you come list my house? And you know, if you've never experienced a come list me phone call, it's wonderful. You don't have to do anything to get that. You've already done it in the past. So now it just comes to you. You just kind of stay on touch and stay up to date with your SOI and, and they come. That's more passive income, right? Same thing is true with the real estate team, right? Uh, that leader on your real estate team, they wanna get more and more from the production of the other agents and less and less from their own active sales. So it, it all depends on how quickly they build that sales force and how good of a job they do retaining them and how good of a job they do training them up so the sales force sells more and more because there's more percentage of the of the production that they're gonna take in as income themselves. So they depend, they, they, they control the gas pedal. They control the gas pedal. Um, it's just a kind of a gradual shift from passive to active income as we move through it. Okay. So guys, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.